On episode 222 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn about the best rackets for your game in 2021 with special guest Sam Jones. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the podcast, episode 222, aka a set of ducks or a set of deuces. If you play poker, then you'll know that reference. But today I have an interview for you with Sam Jones from Tennis Express. And if you are a longtime listener of the show, then you probably remember me interviewing him on episode 103. I did not memorize that. I looked it up <laughs> a while back, but I'm very glad to have Sam back. He is also a certified master racket technician in addition to his role as a playtester and content writer at Tennis Express. And Sam has always been fascinated by new racket and string technologies and how they can help players improve their games and avoid injury, which is a big reason why I brought him on. So we're going to talk about all things rackets, including the best rackets for different levels, um, the best rackets for control and spin, and we're also going to mix up some talk about strings as well, and how they impact your rackets, and how to tell the difference between whether it's the racket or the strings when you're trying them out. I'll also talk a little bit about other modifications such as lead tape. So if you are a gearhead or you are looking for a new racket or you're just interested in rackets or strings or gear generally, then you will really enjoy this episode. So I will dive into it. But first, let me give you the pun of the day. Yes, I'm still going strong with this for now, at least. No hate mail yet on it. Very surprised. <laughs> um, so here is my pun of the day. I heard my neighbor playing tennis at 3 a.m. It was so loud that I yelled at him for making such a racket. Get it? Racket, racket. All right. Well, with that beautiful pun that I hope you really enjoyed, let's get to the episode. So without further ado, here is my interview with Sam Jones. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. And it's great to have Sam Jones from Tennis Express on the show. Really excited to talk to Sam about... Uh, how to choose a proper racket for yourself and the best rackets available these days. It's funny because I recently got uh, a few demos from from Tennis Express to to check out and really enjoyed it. And uh, you know, I think I'll have to probably demo some more to to nail down what racket I I, I want to transition to potentially. So it's always really fun to to just check out the latest and greatest. So first off, Sam, welcome to the podcast. Really excited to have you on. Thanks so much. I'm I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime, Sam. I think it's been a while since we last uh, did some content together. So um, I just want to get straight to it, Sam. So um, what is your best advice for those of us who are really interested and excited to to get a new racket or if we're, we're just hopping on to, to play tennis for the first time? What are some things that we need to look for? So the first thing I'll say is that Right now, a lot of the uh, a lot of the online stores, just like Tennis Express, you know, we do a demo program, and the demo program is just so important because it allows you to kind of take a few rackets out, maybe three very very different frames, and just kind of find out where you are, um, you know, what it is that you're liking, what it is that you're looking for, maybe even on occasion what it is that you don't like. It really doesn't matter as much where you start because ultimately you're trying to eliminate things and, and kind of find out where it is that you want to go with with your racket purchase. I think one thing to stay away from is kind of just buying a racket, you know, oh, okay, I'll see this racket and buy it and be it at an at a academy or like a Dick's Sporting Goods or something. Uh, you you might get your 
seventy eighty dollar racket, but I try to use the the analogy of you know there's a new iPhone every year, right? Well, well, what if you had a chance to try an iPhone for six weeks or a month and and kind of see if that model was going to work for you, and if it didn't, you could just send it back and try a different one. Um, and, and I kind of feel that way with rackets. It's a less ex, you know it's less expensive than an iPhone for sure, but uh, you want to make sure that you end up with the right one, uh, especially when you're going to battle with it. Yeah, definitely, Sam. I mean, I remember back in the day, you know, I tried like an old pro staff and, you know, I was really excited and I thought that it was awesome. It was from it was from a fellow player. But then the next day I tried it again and it was, you know, felt terrible. So, <laughs> you know, really, it really depends on, on the day sometimes. So you do have to find that consistency. So, Sam, one thing that I'm really curious to ask you about is uh, regarding how to differentiate, you know, whether the what you're feeling is is coming from the frame or coming from the strings, because sometimes, uh, you know, when, when we demo, like we, we feel like, it, you know, what we're feeling is fantastic. But, you know, sometimes, especially for novices, we don't know whether that's coming from the frame itself or from the effect of the strings. OK, fair question. So the. The bottom line, and, and I think it was um, one of the Babolat engineers that sort of said like that the strings are kind of the engine of the racket, you know, like it, it is integral to the performance of the racket. Take a $16 racket that's made of aluminum and put a $20, you know, Luxalon ALU power in there <laughs> and it's still not going to feel, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, um, you know, having a Ferrari and putting unleaded in there, like it's not gonna, it's not gonna really be the same, the same kind of deal. I think as far as telling the difference where, where you're going to get into a, a gray area is that tennis players feel something and whether they know what they're feeling or their perception of what they're feeling, it, it's happening and in, in their mind, it's happening. And so all I would say is, I might pick up a racket and go, well, I really like this racket, but these strings are mush. And you might pick up the exact same racket and go, man, I really like these strings, but this racket's not doing anything for me. And so I guess what I would tell you is there's a lot of opinions and kind of buzzwords thrown around out there about what X racket or Y racket can do or, or string one versus string two. And I think the best thing I could say is if you're, if you're trying to isolate the characteristics of a racket or a string, then you need to have a, a control. Okay. For example, if you've had a racket for 10 years and you really like it, but you test a lot of different strings before you try a new racket, you should probably settle on a string that you're, you're comfortable with and you're familiar with. So at least you're not, okay, I'm trying a brand new racket with a brand new string that I've never used before. I mean, that's going to be two very different things that are going on. It's going to be hard to attribute, you know, one of the things to, to the other. Um, so, so ideally if, if you were to, you know, demo rackets, you'd say, okay, well, my string of choice is, well, let's just stick with Luxalon ALU power. You know, that's, that's what I like to play with pretty much regardless of the racket. It's at 48 to 50 pounds. If I'm trying new frames, I'm probably going to start there. Um, you know, you might not be able to get Luxalon ALU power all the time, but, you know, a medium firm polyester string at that tension will give you more of a, it will give you more information about the racket that you're trying instead of just, man, we've got so many different things going on here. The biggest thing, Marbon, is that people change multiple things at the same time. They go different tension, different racket, different string, and it's, almost impossible to get like any real tangible data from that because you've just changed too many of the variables. Yeah. Thanks for that, Sam. So I'm going to give you um, an actual example, and this is obviously <laughs> from me. So if I am playing with a pure arrow VS with hyper G at uh, 17, yeah, 17 gauge uh, at 54 pounds, and then I get a demo of uh, a Yonix uh, VCore 98, uh, with Polytour Pro, do you think there's you think there's too much of a variable where I should probably restring that racket to my Hyper G to like make absolutely sure that it's it's you know it's the racket that's doing the the work, or do you think that Polytour Pro or generally like any Poly would be like close enough where you know it's 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 fine to be able to to test it? It depends on 
where in your search you are. I, I think if you're, you know, first demo session, you know, you're, you're trying three or four frames, you know, you're, you're sort of trying to find out what it is you're looking for, what you like, what you don't like. I think you're fine kind of just using a, you know, a generic polyester string or, you know, I think as you get to, Hey, Sam, I really like the V core 98, but I'm trying to decide between that and the gravity MP, you know, like, I think that's where you might go. Well, what is my string of choice right now? And then I might demo them. And then just when I get the rackets, have two sets of that hyper G and plug it in there and, you know, go with it that way. But I certainly think you can glean a lot of information early on in the demo process from, you know, the racket kind of, you know, kind of strung with, with, um, with whatever, but, um, you know, with some circumstances, right? Like you're not going to demo a racket with natural gut string and go, Oh man, this feels amazing. Cause, cause it's going to. Yeah, no, actually that's fantastic advice. Appreciate that. So, um, I do want to get some of your playing background and then, and then transition to like what you've tested and what you've liked. So can you tell us about like your current um, level of play and, you know, background as well, if you'd like. So I uh, played in college, Division three at Southwestern University. Really, really enjoyed that experience. Got to travel around and play. I feel like a lot of players that were better than me. <laughs> but, you know, that's what it's all about is, is you know, seeing how you measure up. But, you know, post-college, uh, I, I taught tennis for 10 years. I played uh, some 5-0 league tennis and played a few tournaments here and there. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe my level as high as I was in college, but I'd say I'm a solid four, five, five, four, six, two player. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, I know it doesn't quite work, work like that and I'm not as up to date on the UTR stuff. So, uh, I don't, I don't quite know where I'm at, uh, with that, but right now I'm, I'm probably playing a little bit more doubles than singles. Um, but yeah, certainly certainly getting to test a lot of rackets, which is really, really enjoyable. Awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's a great level for sure. Um, you know, I play 5-0 as well, and, you know, it's very challenging in the 5-0 leagues uh, to play. You know, sometimes you're playing 5-5s five and all that. So, um, but yeah, college experience and at that level is excellent. So that with that background in mind, I'm curious to hear about your favorite rackets that you've play tested, I guess, this year um, that, that you've liked. So uh, well, let us know. <laughs> okay. Um, there's been a lot. The manufacturers now are, I mean, it's, it's kind of the golden era, I think, for, for a lot of rackets because, you know, there are a lot of solid families out there. You know, the Babolat Pure Arrow family endorsed by Rafa is a, is a huge seller. Um, one of the things that they've done with that over the years is they've made it a little more, uh, arm friendly, just a little bit more comfortable and developed some technology just to make it, you know, for, for those of us that don't have a, you know, bicep like Rafa, they make the, the pure arrow a little bit more forgiving to use for, for the rest of us, which is a really, really nice trend. So, you know, this year we got the, the, Pure Arrow Rafa cosmetic, which it's it's not a different racket from his all yellow one, but it's just a cool, a really cool cosmetic on a great frame. You know, a couple of others we just had uh, Yonix refresh the the V Core Pro line. Um, I don't know if you've seen them, but they're they're kind of green and purple. I've sort of dubbed it the Saved by the Bell cosmetic. Uh, <laughs> kind of reminds me of the the '90s TV show. Um, but, you know, that's Yonix's most controlled frame. And um, if I had a criticism of it, I guess, you know, from my level, I would say, you know, they, they were really precise frames and control frames. But I think for a lot of the playing population, maybe a little too dead. Um, yeah. And so with this version, for instance, with the V-Core Pros, they, they went a little thicker in the cross section. So uh, off the top of my head, I think, the B Core Pro 97s increased one millimeter to 21 millimeters from uh, up from 20, and then the V Core Pro 100 went to um, 23 millimeters. And so mm. they're still very much control frames, but they just give you a little bit more help. And despite what anybody tells you about 
not wanting help in a tennis racket, just about all of us at every level can use a little bit of extra help sometimes. The other thing about that family that, that they did is they, they elongated the shaft a little bit, kind of a la some old, older models um, from, from late 80s, early 90s. So it's just a very connected to the ball feel. Uh, it's very precise, but uh, yeah, just a little bit more punch than in previous generations. The other, uh, you know, big entry that we had this year was uh, the blade update um, the, to, to version eight. Uh, for those of you counting at home, there's, we're, we're on version eight of the blades. Um, and despite the cool cosmetic that they did, they kind of did a, a, you know, a sports car color shifting paint. There's a couple of uh, under the hood adjustments that they did. And, you know, the, you know, all the listeners out there know the Blade 98 is probably one of the most prominent rackets on the tour. Yeah. Um, there's 16 by 19 string pattern and an 18 by 20 uh, string pattern that very, very popular rackets, not just on tour, but in college and in the recreational game as well. But um, one of the things they did that is, is really pretty cool, um, you take off the replacement grip on a racket and typically what you've got is kind of a foam molded handle and then the end cap at the bottom is, is stapled into that foam. And so with the V8 blades um, to try to uh, create more torsional stability, now the, the graphite extends all the way down to the bottom where the end cap attaches. And so that end cap is actually attached into the carbon fiber instead of just the foam. And so really what you're going to get is, you know, a lot of players are, especially in this day and age, are generating tons of torque, uh, holding, holding the grip pretty low on the forehand side. So if you're one of those players and it's, you know, the, the worst thing you can feel is kind of a loose butt cap that's, you know, yeah, twisting around in your hand, it can really make you lose confidence. Uh, and that's something they sort of undertook um, uh, for this version. And then they kind of did a cool, um, they've got a plant-based plastic now that they're using for the grommets. Uh, which mm. is, you know, really smart. And it kind of ties in with Wilson in their sustainability initiatives, you know, with their Trinity ball and trying to just reduce, reduce plastic waste. Those are the two that kind of jump out at me right now. There's, uh, there's some new technology from, from head that's kind of on the way that's, that's set to debut early next year. Um, I think it's a new racket line. I've seen some test rackets out online and I have hit and it's, it's pretty unique. So really, really exciting. And then, um, you know, of course these guys don't, don't really rest on their laurels with this stuff. They're, they're always kind of thinking, seems like two years ahead. Um, one of the smaller brands had a new racket, uh, I guess they're not as small anymore, but, um, Technifiber, mm-hmm. um, you know, they have their, um, their popular model that Daniel Medvedev won the U S open with the, the T fight, uh, RS three Oh five. But they also have the uh, signature model now for Iga Swiatek. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really, really nice frame. It's kind of a, I'd say, almost a more user-friendly T-Fight, a little bit more maneuverable. Um, it's got an old-school gloss finish on it, but it's a, it's a really solid frame as well. Wow. Wow. A lot of great rackets out there. And, and actually, what, what's your playing style? I'm curious with, that, with the rackets now in mind. Like, are you, you hit... Have you top spin or a more classical game or how would you describe your game? I think one of the things that happens when you teach tennis for a while is you, you kind of end up doing some things that aren't great for when you're playing, <laughs> you know, for instance, you know, you're teaching tennis, you're trying to, you're trying to match the level of the lesson, right? Like if you're doing some live ball situational stuff, you, you know, you're not going to hit Rafa forehands to someone that's working on, you know, trying to find the ball in their sweet spot. Right. So, um, I think I experimented kind of with a lot of different grips and Mm. now sometimes I'm like, okay, you know, close your eyes and grab the racket. How are you holding it? You know, cause that's your, that's going to be your forehand grip for the day. Um, but I play, I can play a little bit more spin on the forehand than I probably did growing up. I would still say I'm not, I'm not really a, back up 10, 15 feet behind the baseline and just grind somebody down. It, mm-hmm. My game is based more on timing, selectively trying to take a ball early, um, get in and, you know, finish points at the net. The reality is it's 
trying to win points any way I can. <laughs> uh, so, so if that's a game style, uh, that that is it. And I'm not talking about cheating. I'm just talking about <laughs> yeah. finding a way. Uh, just right. want to be clear about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I uh, probably have my two handed backhand's probably my best shot, um, mm, just wow. because it doesn't like doesn't break down as easily. Mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I kind of find myself in all sorts of areas of the court and sometimes wondering how did I get here and how how am I going to get out of this? But yeah, so my game style is get it done. <laughs> how about that? I like it. I like it. And then so given that background, what what's your what's your frame of choice? What are you using now or what what's your favorite stick? So one of the things that has changed, um, you know, you hear the commentators talk about it all the time, like. And we've had graphite rackets for a while, but the, the polyester strings have been, you know, a, a really big change um, to the pro game. And then it's obviously kind of come down to the, to the other levels too. But I like right now a racket that's got a little more flex than I used to. Um, mm. I used to play rackets that were a lot firmer. The rackets themselves were, the frames were, so, so pretty powerful, not a lot of flex at contact. But... Back then, I was using really soft multi-filament strings, right? Mm. So sort of like firm frame, soft string, okay? Um, and now I'm a little bit more on the softer frame, softer flex, and stiff string, you know, firm string. Um, and so, I mean, I guess they're kind of, you know, two sides of the same coin a little bit. But what I like about the softer flex, so I use the head gravity tour, and it's kind of the one that's got the two two sided uh color scheme flip cosmetic but i just like it because i feel like i can kind of string it with whatever i want and pretty much i can go tighter i can go looser but i feel like that flex protects my arm and it helps dampen the vibration so it keeps it comfortable but i can sort of have my pick of the litter as far as strings and not worry too much about Oh man, this string's going to be too firm in this racket. Um, you know, contrasting with some players that want stiff frame and stiff string. And, you know, at, at this point for me, that's going to be too firm. And so I kind of like the freedom that I get as far as tweaking strings and trying different strings. And I can do that as long as I use a pretty low, low flexing uh, racket. Mm, very interesting, Sam. I mean, what advice would you give for um, for players with, with that combination? Because I'm trying to figure out, you know, like, I guess, does the racket dictate in terms of if, if you want to go like stiff frame and then like soft string versus uh, flexi frame and uh, stiff string? Like, well, what's your general advice on people on how to like figure all that out? I mean, you know, you, what you get into here is a lot of like what you feel is what you feel. Okay, so uh, one of the things that's made the Pure Drive such a popular racket, right, is that, you know, you can string it up with RPM Blast at 52 pounds all the way and really high level players love it. They love the firm feel, the, you know, explosive power. They feel like they can get the rotation on the ball that they're looking for, um, you know, modern top spin players. Now, the pure drive can also work for somebody that plays more of an old school flat game. Maybe they like to take the ball early and, and get into the net, um, but they might string it up with a soft multi-filament, just a lot tighter, you know, or even natural gut at, you know, 58, 60 pounds. And I mean, that thing is going to be a very, very stable rocket launcher. I mean, you're, you're going to be able to get the ball on your opponent very, very quickly. And so, I think what you're trying to do is take your own game and say, okay, what feel do I like? And then kind of contrast that with what feel do you need to, to be successful and confident on the court? For me, I feel like with the advent of polyester strings, they lose tension faster than any other material. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's gotten a little better as far as that goes, but you're still talking about major tension loss on polyester strings. Uh, well more than a multi-filament, well more than natural gut. Uh, of course, everything pales, pales next to that. But I think what that kind of allows me to do, and I'm, I can string my own rackets too, is that I know I've got a flexible racket. And so I'll try polys. I'll try different ones. And 
you know, not, not stress about it. I, I'm just, I'm kind of curious about the new strings. And as a play tester, it's nice too, because I'm always having a different string in my racket, like gun to my head. I'm not sure what string I tell you that I would use right now. Um, <laughs> just because I'm, I'm testing so many, there's a lot of great ones out there, but you know, when you're constantly restringing and cutting them out and testing more, I mean, it, it is a little bit, you know, I almost think if I just stopped testing completely and went, went to just playing tennis, I'd have to kind of find like, okay, I like this string. This is my string. I'm going to buy a reel. I'm going to stick with it for a while just so I kind of know what to expect on the court. Um, in general, I think I, I kind of skipped over the first part of your question, but in general, I kind of advise players like, if you're if you're switching to a pure drive or a or a pure arrow or um, you know like a Dunlop SX three hundred or something to get more spin, if you if you do string that up with a multi filament, you're you're going to eat through the strings pretty quick, mm. um, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, a lot of times that means you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, and the strings are doing what they're supposed to be doing as far as imparting spin on the ball, but you know, kind of just knowing if you go to that pure arrow Rafa or pure arrow racket and you're looking to generate more spin, you're, you're also going to be along with that cutting through those strings. And so that's where you go, okay, well, all things being equal, can I play the pure arrow and keep, you know, a multifilament in there for three weeks? If I can, then more power to me. That's pretty good. If, if I can play the pure arrow though, and I get about a week out of a multifilament string, then that's probably for most of us, that's probably not going to be good enough. And I need to go to something that's, that's a little bit more durable. And some of the polys have a little bit more of an abrasion resistant coating to help out with that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gotcha, Sam. Appreciate that. So, this next question is is pretty selfish. I admit, uh, it's you know, but I think it'll probably help some people anyway, just with a general you know categorization. So, I play currently with a Pure Arrow VS, um, the, the previous version, the sixteen twenty. I think it's it might have been off the Aerostorm mold, maybe. So, it sounds like you're familiar with that. Um, and I play with Hypergee at seventeen gauge at fifty four pounds, crank strung. So I am getting a little bit of like wrist pain recently, although it's very minor, but I feel like I do want to make some sort of adjustment. So in that general sort of situation, what what's the first step that you would take to to help with that? Because I know there's definitely some people out there who are probably experiencing some issues with their racket and some pain. So what would you do? So um, Hypergy, uh, Selenko, they have a really a really good uh, catalog of polyester strings. The one thing that I learned about that brand is that for me with, with pretty much every one of their strings, I'm a lot more comfortable in the high forties, uh, even in some cases, mid forties, like 45, 46 pounds. Cause I do feel like that material is, is just a lot firmer when it comes off the racket. Like when you, when you restring it and you pull the, the string the the racket off the stringer i just feel like selenko it, it's just a very firm tough material yeah. and so i've actually found a lot more success with that brand um i've used kind of confidential is is the string from selenko that i probably would would uh move toward but i had to learn you know i was i was stringing it kind of apples to apples with rpm or alu power and i think right what I learned is that for me, Selenko was more maybe like 15% lower instead of 10% lower. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they always say like, you know, if you're stringing this, you know, next to a synthetic gut string, then you should go 10% less. Um, yeah. But I've always found the sweet spot uh, for me with, with the Selenko line to be lower. Um, and I still feel like I'm, I'm getting control. I still don't, I don't feel like it's a slingshot. Um, so it's a little jarring at first, you know, when you go that low, but I do feel like some of the material now you kind of have to, you know, tweak with it a little bit and, you know, go about that way. Now, as far as your racket choice, that's a sweet frame. Um, and I actually think there's several tour players that maybe under some disguise are still playing that, that, mm. uh, pure arrow VS. It's a, it's a really nice frame. Um, yeah. but, uh, again, uh, I'm going to say with the variables, right? Like, Hey, I've got some wrist pain or I've got some elbow pain. You know, the tendency is ace bandage, Advil, new grip size, new string, new tension, new racket, right? I mean, there's, there's like this whole worksheet that kind of comes up in your head about what can you do to get rid of this? And of course, you know, you do like eight things and then you're like, I wonder which one of those eight things really help most. Right. Um, Cause it, it, you know, it, it might not. So the first thing I'd say with, with any arm thing, um, as, as I have the, the legal scroll across, it says, <laughs> yeah. go see your medical professional. Okay. Smart, smart um, man. There is no, right. So there is no like string that, is oh, okay, you've got tennis elbow, use this string and you won't miss a beat. You know, like you probably have done something and, you know, it is an overuse thing with uh, with a lot of tennis elbows. So um, first thing, first thing first might just be rest and ice and just give it a little bit of a break. The second thing I would say about, about you know, you, you use a, all Hyper-G, right? Hyper-G yeah. the whole way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the second thing I would say is like with a polyester string, you know, just because the string isn't broken doesn't mean that it's still doing what you need it to do. And so Hyper-G is, is designed to be a, a control string. And what I might argue is, you know, after 15 to 20 hours, maybe a little bit more, depending on, you know, kind of the, the you know, if, if you're playing doubles, you could probably eke out more. But if you're, you know, playing a lot of singles and, and taking big cuts at the ball, you know, you're, you're putting a lot of maybe unseen wear and tear on that polyester string. And so I would probably advise at first, you know, a little bit of rest and then maybe uh, tweak the tension, go down a couple of pounds. And then, you know, lastly, I would just say, Hey, if, if it feels really good, you know, for 10 to 15 hours or 15 to 20 hours, be kind of disciplined about cutting it out and saying, okay, I, I like this performance, but almost, almost kind of set yourself a calendar notification or something that just says, Hey, I mean, remember these strings are designed to kind of be firm. Okay. They're, they're firm feeling strings. And so as they lose any kind of tension, I almost feel like you're, you're having to overswing to get the mm-hmm. same result. And I, I don't have the science to back that up, but I feel like that can result in more arm fatigue. You know, you're, feel like your shots are going longer. So you're trying to swing faster to get the ball to come down. And in some instances you might be able to, but you're also, you know, think about your car, right? Like if you, if you're in the red on RPMs for too long, like it's not good for the engine. And I feel like Mm. when, when these polyester strings kind of start to go and you start to lose a little bit of control, we're swinging harder to make up for that. And I feel like that's where some of that arm fatigue can, can come into play. And, you know, before you know it, you're like, dang it, I'm sorry, guys, I can't play this week. And that's the worst feeling when you can't play because, you know, you've got, you've got something going on with your elbow. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Sam. I definitely have not been super disciplined about, you know, cutting strings out. And, you know, I mean, that's probably common. A lot of people, they want to get maximum use, but um, sometimes it's not worth it, especially when you're feeling adverse effects. So Sam, uh, in terms of like the best rackets, I did want to get a little bit of a list going too, so that um, you know viewers and listeners could check them out and you know hopefully visit Tennis Express and and demo them. So, what are your top frames for beginner players? I mean, I guess maybe two five to three something ish <laughs> players. Okay, well it's a it's a little different now. You know, like a while ago, you, it it was pretty easy. You know, you you 
you had rackets that were like, you know, 115 square inch head size. Okay. Well, that racket's going to be pretty lightweight and it's going to offer a lot of power. Now there still are some models like that, but, but the trend certainly is the racket families. So, you know, if, if I'm a beginner, um, and I'm taking lessons and I'm kind of trying to learn the proper technique about, you know, how to strike the ball and where, you know, how high I want it to be when I, when I hit it and, you know, proper spin and mechanics, then I would say maybe the, the super oversize is not the best racket um, to go with. I would, I would recommend more across all brands. They kind of have like this subtle little dozen designation behind the, the name. So, you know, let's take, uh, you know, head, for example, you know, you've got the speed pro, which is what Novak, uh, endorses. Okay. And then you've got the speed MP, which is a little lighter, a little more user-friendly. And then you've got the speed MP light, a little lighter, a little more user-friendly, the speed S, you know, a little bit more power, you know, so it kind of, it kind of is a sliding scale where they're all mm-hmm. trying to focus on the same attributes and helping the players, um, you know, produce better shots, but they're just coming down in weight and it just makes it more manageable for the different levels of player. Right. So if you're a four five five Oh player and you go out to the court with a racket, that's, you know, 9.6 ounces unstrung, <laughs> I feel like you're going to get knocked around a bit, right? Like you're, yeah. you might be loving yeah. how light it is, but you know, it's kind of like, kind of like bringing a knife to a gunfight, I guess. Like you just yeah. feel like no matter what you're doing, you're not able to, to, handle pace coming at you or absorb and redirect. I think with, with more beginner players, they're not going to be dealing with just that onslaught of, you know, big shots and heavy spins. So I think the, you know, like the Aero Pro light or yeah. the speed light, um, I think these models are going to be, you know, right up their alley. And then it's kind of cool because you still get, you know, the cosmetic of, you know, your favorite player. So if you're a, a huge Rafa fan, you know, and you right. play the, your arrow light, you still get that vibrant yellow color, but it's in a racket that is more suited to to your tendencies and your level. And you know, you're not you're not trying to step up and play with the RF ninety seven because Federer's using it, <laughs> even though maybe he's heavy. the only one in the world that should use it, right? I mean it's a it's a pretty difficult racket to wield. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah, sir. No, yeah, I, was, I mean that's that's a great explanation. So I mean I was gonna also ask you about you know, best, um, intermediate and advanced frames, but I mean, are, is it thinking along the same lines that you just kind of, I mean, there's so many different, uh, variations of, of rackets that you just kind of choose among the, the one you want or. So again, you know, it, it used to be different where you had power rackets. Okay. Yeah. And that's kind of the one I just mentioned, you know, like, I don't know if any of the, the listeners out there remember like the, the Wilson sledgehammers, you know, the kind of, <laughs> kind of yeah. the snowshoe shape. Um, and so very lightweight, very powerful. Um, and then you had tweeners, right. And, and tweeners are sort of, you know, you can, you can kind of have different stroke styles, but a lot of people can use this racket, you know, like, like we were talking about with the pure drive, you know, you can almost make the pure drive a very high performance, like five O plus NTRP racket. And you could also bring it down. And I'd argue almost, it could be a really great racket for a better three O or a three, five level player too. And then at the other end, you know, you're talking like Wilson RF 97, extreme precision rackets. And w- what I'll say is the precision rackets, like your Vcore Pro 97 HD, you know, your uh, head prestige mid plus. I mean, these rackets 100% are control rackets and there are just less of them than there used to be. Um, you know, the Wilson Blade 98 1820, even that at its weight is not a typical control racket because it's a little lighter. Mm. Um, and so now I would say control rackets are almost going the way of the dodo. Um, and I don't mean that, um, like, like they're bad rackets. It's just, I bet you 85% of all rackets now are in that tweener category. And so, you know, that that's what people are buying and it kind of makes sense just because they're very versatile frames, um, yeah. that, that 
players can improve with and get better with and really keep using. You know, you don't you don't really have to graduate if you if you have a tweener frame and you can kind of grow with it and it can grow with with your game and maybe you're altering strings and uh, you know some things as your mechanics improve or you're you're hitting the ball bigger. But I do think it's it's kind of a tweener world right now. It's not as easy uh, to say this racket gives you more power, bar none, one hundred percent of the time. Well, you know, unless we have the uh, golf club machine that swings the club at the same speed, you know, at the same <laughs> accuracy every time. I mean, we're all humans. So maybe one day the, the pure arrow tour, which is really heavy, maybe I'm crushing balls with it, but maybe I'm a little tired the next day and I can't right. get a ball past the service line. So I think power can kind of be relative there. Like it's, it's, it's difficult saying, you know, if you use this racket, it is more powerful. Uh, I just think you've got stroke styles and, frequency of play you've got a lot of different things but in general that category is is dominant right now and as i said before it's more which weight are you in the tweener category you know are you a pure drive tour which is you know around 11.7 ounces strong or are you a pure drive which is a little over 11 ounces strong or you know even lower are you a pure drive light which you know might be just under 10 ounces strong um all of them kind of feature the same technology, but they're just different strokes for different folks. Yeah, it seems like the weight is very important. If you had to pick a line or two um, racket lines for, for somebody who hits with a lot of spin but is looking for control, uh, what would you advise? Uh, let's see. Um, they hit a lot of spin, but they're looking for more control, right? Is that oh, the... More control. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, right now, um, Babylon did something with the, you know, your, uh, you have the previous version, but they have right, a new the pure arrow VS. Um, and so that is the same technology of the pure arrow, but it's a little bit of a denser string pattern with the 1620. One of my favorite string patterns, by the way, I wish we would see more yeah. uh, 16 by 20. But it's, it's the same arrow modular technology, but the beam's a little thinner, okay? And so the head size is, instead of 100, it's 98. And I feel like it's, it's almost like, okay, we want a racket for a pure arrow enthusiast who loves it, but just wants a little bit like more precision. Right. Um, and I think that's a really good option. Uh, another one, and these two get compared a lot, is the Head Extreme Tour. Um, and it's a, it's a, uh, first introduced in the, in the current generation, the tour version. And it's along those same lines. The extreme MP is 100 square inches. It's got a very open string pattern. Mm. And while the number of strings is still 16 by 19 in the tour version, the head size is a little smaller and the spacing is a lot different. So still, you know, a spin lovers racket, but it's going to be much more, precise and you know especially for those high level players you know the they're probably eating through strings pretty quick with with the pure arrow uh, or with the head extreme mp you know just because those string patterns are more open and with these versions you know they're the technology and the beam is designed for aerodynamics but they're also you know they're giving you a little bit more precision with that string spacing so that maybe the strings aren't moving as much as they would um, mm. you know and the other way. And then another good option from, from Yonix is you started out the, the podcast with the V-Core 98. Um, if you kind of look at the beam, like it, it sort of has the same sensibilities of, you know, a more aerodynamic feel, but kind of combined with a box beam design. So I think right. that's a good kind of, I'd almost call it like a hybrid frame, um, you know, mixed in um, old school sensibilities with a more uh, aerodynamic aerodynamic feel yeah thanks sam yeah that one was a good frame i enjoyed it it felt like it had a tad bit too much power for me however i think maybe if i had put a, little, a different string or something and changed around the tension it could have you know worked uh but really nice frame right sam i know you don't have a lot of time left so just real quick do you have any um advice on like using 
lead tape and modifying the racket? Like, is that something you do uh, as well? So I, I kind of went through a lead tape phase where <laughs> I, I was, um, you know, tinkering and adding a lot of lead tape uh, to, I think one of the things I, I will still do from time to time, I, I grew up in the era of, you know, where, where rackets, if they were heavy, they had to be very headlight. Okay. So like, you know, when I'm in high school, I mean, it's a Wilson Pro Staff 6.1, which is, you know, 12 and a half ounces or more strung. And the only way like you can move that on the court is if it's pretty significantly headlight. Um, you know, nowadays, like we were just touching on with tweener frames, more of these tweener frames strung are around three to four points headlight instead of six to seven points like, you know, they might have been back then. And so if I do one tweak with lead tape or instead of lead tape, I might put a leather grip on, on a tweener racket. And I do that basically because I, I just like that older school headlight construction, like that feel. It just, I don't know if it's just that I'm a dinosaur, but it just feels a little bit more familiar to me. And again, you're, you're adding some weight to the handle. So it, it might change the, the maneuverability a little bit, but it's not going to be in any real sense. Um, as far as lead tape, lead tape advice, thing I will say, and I myself was guilty of it, but less is more. <laughs> and, you know, you can add one or one to two grams at the 12 o'clock position. Like you use my bald head here, right? So like 12 <laughs> o'clock position is the top Perfect of the head. Visual. Yeah. I see people, I see people put 12 grams up there. <laughs> and I mean that even one to two grams is really going to change the way that racket feels in motion. And so I would just advise, Hey, like, you know, every, oh, I want to put it under the bumper. Don't, don't put stuff under the bumper until you kind of try it and pull it off and try it and pull it off and see what it is you're looking for. I think the most popular, um, the most popular use that you see on the tour is probably still that three and nine o'clock position, you know, on the sides, um, you know, same kind of principle. It doesn't take much weight there to just make it, it, it almost feels like, Again, I'm not a physics guy, so I don't know this, but it almost feels like it keeps that racket frame square at contact a little bit more. So yeah. maybe a little bit more stability at contact. Um, maybe if you're a flatter ball hitter, it, it feels like it kind of keeps on the line of the ball a little bit longer. Whereas, you know, if you've got a racket that just feels a little too whippy, like maybe maybe that helps you sort of make sure you're getting through the line of the ball. Nowadays, for the most part, with with my lead tape usage, it's more about matching, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll try to just, okay, if I've got three gravity tours, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a perfectionist, but I'd like them to be, you know, within a couple of grams sure. um, and, and swing weight as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you uh, experiment with lead tape at all? Do you feel like um, that's helped your game or what do you, what do you think? Yeah. Thanks for asking. No, it's interesting. Cause it's very recently, uh, like last week, I think was the first time, you know, might be surprised about that, that, that I tried lead tape. I just was kind of lazy about it, to be honest. So I am a newbie. So I put some on three and nine. I think I put about three grams total. And, you know, because I was suffering from a little bit of instability issues, especially on volleys um, with my frame. And the thing is, uh, I did, it did help in that particular area, but I, I hit with a lot of spin and I really like a whippy racket. So it, it, it made it a little sluggish for me. So I feel right. like, you know, I might have to try a different position, maybe 10 and two or 12 or something else. I don't know, but I'll have to figure that out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 10 and two, 10 and two can work because it keeps some of that torsional stability that, you know, sideways stability in the frame, but it also like raises the sweet spot a little bit. Um, mm. And I don't know if you, you know, if, if you know this, but you know, most of the time now modern players are hitting the ball higher in the hoop. You know, we're not, we're not hitting like, you know, low in the head very often. If, or if, <laughs> if things are going well, we're not, um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're trying to hit more, more up higher, like slightly above center on the racket. So that lead tape configuration at 10 and two kind of gives you, 
you know, uh, the best of both worlds. But it brings up an interesting point about kind of the slippery slope of lead tape. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, what I would tell you is like, hey, keep it at three and nine, but reduce it until it doesn't feel sluggish. So maybe you're still getting a subtle, like some subtle help with your volleys, but yeah. you know, ultimately if you're having to hit three or four volleys in one point, like you're probably in trouble anyways. Yeah. Um, and you're going to be hitting more ground strokes. So I'd kind of say, uh, well, like back in the day, you know, Roddick, he didn't come in much, right? Like he didn't come in all that much. He, he played right. from the baseline way more. And I feel like a lot of those guys are like, well, where am I going to be on the court? Okay, well, I want help where I'm going to be on the court the most. Yeah, you know, I can I can figure out how to hit a volley to finish off the point because most of those guys are so good from the baseline. You know, they don't. Oh, I need to change my setup so I can pick up a half volley. You know, coming in, <laughs> they want the help on 85 percent of their game, which is the baseline. Right. Um, but it can be a slippery, a slippery slope with lead tape. You know, you, you start tweaking and, and, you know, Oh, I'm getting this. The one thing I try to tell players when they're looking to switch rackets is just, are you, are you trying to help a deficiency in your game with a racket switch or are you trying to amplify your skills? Um, mm. Meaning like my, my thought has always been this, like if you have a good forehand, Okay, and that's the bread and butter of your game. I kind of feel like you could hit a good forehand with just about anything. Um, maybe, maybe some a little bit better than others, maybe some a little bit worse than others, but what you might look for in a racket, and this is just one side of that coin, but what you might look for is, hey, my two-handed backhand, I'm, I'm not great at hitting through the ball sometimes, and it ends up hitting short, and then they open up the court, and then I'm in a world of hurt. And so maybe I look for a racket that can help establish my two-handed backhand with more depth and consistency mm -hmm. because I can find a way to hit a forehand with it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's two schools of thought for sure. You know, you're trying to, trying to, you know, strengthen your deficiencies as a player versus, hey, like my backhand ain't great, but I want my serve to be even bigger and I want my forehand to be even bigger. And so I think it's just kind of knowing which one of those you want to try and do. But I do, I do stand by that. Like, I feel like with, with my forehand, the racket change doesn't help it or hurt it much. It kind of just, it's still my forehand, if that makes sense. Um, but, you know, if, if I've got a racket that can help on first volleys, or, you know, especially as I've started to play more doubles, it's a little bit of a different skill set. So yeah. I'm hitting more volleys than I normally would be. So I think that's, where maybe if it's more headlight, like that can kind of help me out um, up at the net. And again, you know, at least the way I play doubles, it's, you know, maybe a couple of ground strokes and then you're in uh, to the net. So, but um, yeah, that's cool. That's cool about the lead tape. I, I wouldn't totally bail on three and nine o'clock, but maybe just, you know, uh, use less because it, it doesn't take much just to get a little bit of a uh, noticeability in the, the stability improvement. Yeah, I appreciate that, Sam. Because I was wondering too if maybe I I should also put some weight in the handle to like counterbalance it and restore back the, you know, the headlight uh, amount. But um, yeah, maybe just reducing it would would be better for now. So appreciate that, um, Sam. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot. You know, giving us a lot of great information today. I just want to give you the floor. Just if there's anything else that you wanted to to mention before we wrap up. Um. Okay. So how about two things? Restring your racket before you think you need to. That's the first thing I'm going to say, because a lot of people restring their racket when, you know, the center two main strings are like, you know, there's three inches in between them. <laughs> and, and that is after it needs to be restrung. It needs to be restrung before that. And then uh, further on the stringing, when the strings aren't realigning anymore and you hit a ball and like the string kind of gets stuck, and you're having to push it back, that's a sign that the strings are not performing together the way that they should be performing. And you're probably losing a little bit of rotation. Um, you're, you're not getting the full mileage out of your, out of your shot. Um, and then the last thing for me, uh, as far as just arm health and, you know, testing rackets is just remember there's a lot of variables and, 
if you're on a quest to find a new racket, try not to change too many variables at the same time. You know, try to, you know, it, it might take longer, but I think ultimately you'll be happier with the end result. And you won't have, well, yeah, you know, I did this, but I don't know if it was the string or the tension or the racket change or what. And then lastly, there's a lot of stuff online about what I say or what, you know, somebody says about a certain racket. And ultimately, the person who buys it is the one that's going to go to battle with it. And they're the one that's going to use it. So a person's perception of what their racket is doing for them, it is their reality. And so who am I to say, well, actually, dude, that racket doesn't give you more spin, you know, like, okay, well, if, if they believe it does, then it probably is right. I mean, that's, right. that's kind of the way the human brain works. Um, so, uh, I would just say, you know, make up your own mind just because some person X says, well, this string is, gives me more spin than any other string, you know, well, you know, try it for yourself and it, and it might, and it might not, but you know, ultimately the, the user of the gear is the one that is dealing with it. And, you know, you look down at your racket and, you want to be confident in the strings that you have and you want to be confident in the racket that you have. So ultimately uh, people can help with your search and help with, uh, you know, offering advice, but ultimately the person swiping the credit card and buying the frames is, is you. So you want to be sure and you want to make sure that you're comfortable with your decision. Definitely Sam. Awesome advice. Definitely got to test and keep track of the variables. Um, Sam, where can uh, people, uh, you know, check out rackets and, and demo them um, from you all. So at Tennis Express, we have this really great demo page. I'm actually gonna, gonna pull it up right here so I can make sure I get the link right. Sure. Um, let's see here, demo rackets. So from the homepage, you can just pull it up, tennisexpress.com. And of course my internet will not work now. That's so <laughs> wonderful. It's okay, I'll, um, I'll get it. <laughs> Make sure to yeah, not yeah. edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> to not edit it out. Okay. We could do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I, I, yeah, so I got, got it. We've got the big brands, Babylon, Yonix, Head, Wilson, um, Dunlop. We've got, we've got all the big brands, you know, um, some of the rackets that are lighter in nature. A lot of times we skew more smaller grip sizes. So, you know, some of the, the heavier models, you can get bigger grip sizes for demo, but just kind of keep that in mind. Excellent. Yeah. So tennisexpress.com slash demo dash tennis dash rackets. Uh, and we will have that link in the, uh, in the show notes for everybody to, to click so they can check it out. And I, I just use it myself. Um, and it was very easy to order, to test them and to ship was a breeze. So, uh, ship them back. So that, that was great. Um, awesome, Sam. Well, thanks a lot. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I really like talking about gear. So it was a pleasure to have you on and I'm sure people will learn a lot from this one. And I'm, I'm going to, re-listen because I am, you know, thinking of switching. So, uh, or at least changing something. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but thanks for your time, Sam. Appreciate it. And looking forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks a lot, Mervon. And keep me updated on your, your racket search and how the demo process is going. I will. Thanks, Sam. Bye-bye. All right. I really hope you enjoyed my interview with Sam and definitely do encourage you to check out their demo program. Just check the link in the show notes page and you will find that link that you can click on to demo rackets. Uh, demoing is definitely a very important step to finding your racket. Um, it's very rare that you can just buy one off the internet based on reviews because everybody is different. They have different preferences and feel of a racket you know a racket can feel amazing to one player and have a lot of control and to another player it could be overpowering so uh, definitely try out rackets before you buy them and the same goes for strings and such Alrighty then well i really hope that you enjoyed this interview and if you did please leave a review for the podcast and you can do that at tennisfiles.com slash apple podcasts or just leave a review in your favorite podcast app of choice that you use to listen to the show and i do want to leave you with a uh, a quote as i often do at the end of the show and this one is by james clear who has a great book out that you should check i am blanking on the name of course uh that's why i'm going to look it up on my computer <laughs> and it is atomic habits so that's a great book 
that you should check out. And the quote from James is, focus is the art of knowing what to ignore. Love that quote there. All right. Well, thanks again for tuning in. And I will see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. This is Mirabon signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.